Let's stand and worship. The Lord is worthy of all our praise, amen, and his love endures forever. We are grateful for him and we are thankful. Our hearts are full of thanks. We're going to declare his greatness and his goodness this morning. And we're going to respond to him today. Thank you, Lord. Love you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. Just go ahead and thank the Lord in your own words this morning. We thank you. We'll pour out our thanks to you. broken this morning, some strongholds uprooted this morning, minds renewed this morning, yes Lord, yes, yes, we say yes to you God.
my healing power. I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. I'm a God who heals. I am the same God, the God that was the healer then. I was a God that was a healer in the Old Testament. I'm the God who heals in 2023. Now, Lord, fill the room. Fill the room as we unite our faith with our brothers and sisters, just like those who lowered their friend down in front of you. Right now, we lower our friends down in front of you, Lord, and we know you are the healer. Come on, let's sing that song. I want you just to lay hands on those people right now. Fill the room. Right now, fill all you have to do is just have faith. Fill the room. Faith, fill faith in Jesus. Holy Spirit. We have faith in you, Lord. You are the healer. Holy Spirit. Fill the I want you to believe Jehovah Rapha, that his word is true, that the Holy Spirit is here. And even as we continue in worship, I want you to worship in faith that you have been touched by Jehovah Rapha. You have been touched by him. I want you to worship in faith, worship in faith, believing, just like when Jesus had said to the people, you know what? No. Your faith has healed you. Yes. Your faith has healed you. Yes. Now, now you say, Lord, my faith has healed me. I am going to worship. I'm going to believe you. Come on, let's worship.
Above all 
says he's great and greatly to be praised you know you can be seated you know as we we're singing that worship song I was thinking about we sang Jehovah and if you look around to the sides you know there are banners that have the names of God in the Hebrew and they talk about how he's our banner he's our covering you know talks about he's how he's the Lord of Sabbath. He's the Lord of all gods. He's the, the God that is above every name. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. Even those things and people that think they're not going to confess to the Lord, he's going to be, they're going to knees are going to bow. It talks about how he is, is uh, Jehovah Shammah, how the Lord is always there. You know, scripture says he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And if you look at these different names, they describe who our God is. Think about it. You have a relationship with the God who is greater than anything in this universe, and he wants to have it personal with you. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it? You can respond. We're a noisy church. Hey, this morning, I want to, you know, we're going to dedicate some children to that God. And when we dedicate children, I don't know what your, your background is, but I wasn't raised in church. I came to faith when I was in university. But God has a plan for the families. God has a plan to establish his kingdom through families. We'll use this one, Randy. And his plan is that families will be established so that we can pass faith from one generation to the next. And this morning we have the privilege that we're going to be dedicating three children, not just the children, but the parents and the grandparents and the aunties and the uncles and the, us as a church. And it's interesting because when I was thinking about the role of a, a mom, you know, I always love when I watch a football game or a sporting event and, you know, what does the athlete do? He usually shouts out to his mom or his grandma, the one that helped raise them, right? And I was thinking about some of the, the famous people that our world has seen. And, you know, Napoleon Bonaparte's probably not the best example but one of the things that he said, he said, let France have good mothers that she can raise good sons. You know, you raise up, you raise up sons, perfect timing, by the way, thank you. Have a candy after service, okay? Good moms teach their children how to be raised right. And, and you know, if you look at people like Charles Spurgeon, who was one of the great preachers of the, the last century, he said that, there were two things that set Spurgeon apart. The things that he taught, the scripture that he taught, and he said, that was one of the things that set me apart. But he said, the other thing was my mother praying for me, my mother being there for me. And if you go through scripture, you have Timothy, an example in scripture where faith lived in his grandmother and then in his mother and then in him. And we really believe in the power of passing down faith from one generation to another. I love in this scripture because in the, the book of Matthew, chapter 19, verse 13 through 15, Jesus is talking. He says, let the little children come to me. And he placed his hands on them and he prayed over them and he prayed a blessing on them. You know, we live in a world that wants to take your children and defile them. 
And we, I believe, and the thing I pray for your kids is I pray that God's grace will be upon them to keep them safe from harm and evil. And so this morning, we're going to dedicate three precious little guys to the Lord. And part of the, the challenge that we have as a community of faith is, I don't know about you, but I raised three kids. We raised three children. And sometimes your kids do something you don't see. Right? How many of you know this? So my prayer is that if you can't see them, let someone else see them to help them to do the right thing. And all the parents say, amen. amen. You know, and as a community of faith, we don't raise our kids in a vacuum. You know, they have relationships, and sometimes they need someone else to come talk to. They need someone else that can give them a different perspective. That's probably the same perspective as their parent, but they just hear it from a different voice. And so we want to we challenge us as a community of faith. And part of what we're going to do this morning, we're going to pray over each of these precious little guys. So I'm going to ask Koa and Pastor Nick and Pastor Rebecca, if you guys want to come down. And you could bring Koa. Where is the child of the house? There he is with Grandma. And any family, if you're family, come on up. If you want to come up, you're more than welcome to come up. Is he sleeping? Oh. Usually he cries for me, you know. Looks at me with that, that look he has, like. Oh, there, speak. Yeah, you heard my voice. You look like some of the people on Sunday morning when they wake up in a sermon halfway through. Come on in. Come on in. Come on over, Rebecca. Come on over. Ring. The whole camera wants to see your family. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah. You know, family's important. And you know, sometimes as parents, you need family to help you give you some advice. Sometimes you need family to give you just a break. Not from you. You're you're precious, you know. But I was thinking about how we why we dedicate children to the Lord and we believe in praying and praying blessing over children. And I, I was thinking about Koa's name because I, I think we know the history of our church. If you don't know the history, he's a, this is, I know all babies are miracles, but this guy is a definite miracle. And uh, he's got a special place in the, the heart of this church. And I was thinking about his name. And I don't know if you guys knew this, but I'm sure you did. But his name means warrior or valiant one. And his middle name, his middle name, I love this, is Son of a Steward. Koa Grayson. That's you, buddy. I know. You're in the spotlight. I told you in the foyer year this was going to happen. And I have a scripture that I want to pray over him. And this is a, it's a passage from the book of Psalms. And in Psalm 27, verse 1 through 6, it says this. The Lord is the, my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I dread? When the wicked come upon me to devour my flesh, my enemies and my foes stumble and fall. Though an army encamp around me, my heart will not fear. Though a war break out against me, I will keep my trust. One thing I have asked of the Lord, and this is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, 
to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will hide me in his shelter. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be held high above my enemies around me. And at his tabernacle, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. And I will sing and make music unto the Lord. This young boy has an anointing on his life. Unfortunately, both your parents are musical. And you're, gonna, you're probably going to be on the worship team before you're like six years old. But we want to pray and I want to ask his family, do you dedicate to raise him in the house of the Lord? Aunties, uncles, do you support the family in this decision? Too late, buddy. So what we're going to do, we're going to pray for him. You want to come to me? Randy, can you put this back on and see if it works? You want to come to me? There you go. So let's pray for him. Send your hand towards him. Father, we pray for this little warrior for you. Lord, we pray your blessing upon him. We pray your anointing. We pray for Jehovah Rapha to touch his body and to bring healing and strength to him, Lord. We pray for an anointing that rests on his parents. May it be a double portion upon him. Lord, we pray that he will always dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. And Father, we pray a special blessing on this family on his mom and dad and grandparents and aunties and uncles and cousins. Lord, use them to help raise him in the things of faith. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Amen. We have a little certificate for you. And his, I don't know if he has a Bible, but he has one now. So you guys can be seated. The next one is my favorite little guy, little hairy guy, little Malcolm. Malcolm, you, uh, Malcolm Cortez and family, you want to come on up? Come on, extended family. You're all welcome. Yeah, come on. Don't be shy. I said if we had the whole family up here, we'd have half the church empty. So come on up. If you're a relative, come on up. Don't be shy. You're going to have to change diapers and do something one of these days for him. Come on over to center here. Oh, you're on this side. There you go. Come on. We have both sides. Come on. Come on. There's lots of room. Lots of room. I always tease Malcolm because he has, like, incredible hair. I mean, look at that. He has got the most precious head of hair. I am so jealous of you. <laughs> yeah. Rub it in, baby. Uh-huh. Rub it in. Don't worry. I'm going to get even with you in just a minute. Malcolm, I love his name because his, his name means leader or ruler. And Malcolm is actually a translation. It's a devotee of St. Columba. And uh, St. Columba, you may not know this, but if you go to the next slide, okay, Malcolm, see your hair on that picture? That's what you look like now. But you're named after a bald guy, okay? So laugh now, but someday you're not going to have a lot of hair. You'll remember this day, okay? And St. Columba was a, uh, a powerful man in Scotland, 
he was the one that brought the gospel to Scotland. And, uh, and I was thinking about your name, Malcolm. Your name is one who brings others back to the Lord. And you are going to be a special little boy in the kingdom of God. There is an anointing upon your life to bring people back to the Lord. And, and it's, yeah, you know it, don't you? Yeah, you do. And so I have two passages of scripture that I felt like were statements over your life. In the book of Joel, who was a prophet, Joel chapter 1, or excuse me, chapter 2, verse 1, and then verse 12 through 14. It says, Blow the ram horn in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all who dwell in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. Indeed, it is near. Yes, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning. So rend your hearts and not your garments, and return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and devotion, and he relents from sending disaster. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, grain and drink offering to the Lord your God. And the second passage was from another prophet, the prophet Zechariah, chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says, Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. You like that, don't you? Yeah, that's good. You know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, you do. So family, do you affirm to raise this child in the things of the Lord? Will you support Emily in her raising this child? All right. Can I uh, switch? Hopefully we don't. Uh... You want to come here? Here you go. Okay. We're going to pray for him, okay? Lord, we bless this young man. We bless his mom. We bless the extended family. Father, he is a powerful young man who's going to be a leader and ruler. And not just in anything, Lord, but he's going to be leading people in the things of the Lord. And we pray a blessing over him. We pray for his health. We pray for protection against any evil that may come against him. And we ask and pray, Lord, you would just bless him to do great things for your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. This is your future right here, baby. Right there. Enjoy the hair while you can, you know. We have a certificate here for him. Give that to you. Uncle can carry him. There's your first Bible, okay? Preach it, baby. Preach it. All right. Thank you. God bless you. You can be seated. Isn't the Lord good? Okay, Mickey, it's your turn, buddy. Wake up. Come on, family. Your extended family, come on in. Oh, his eyes are open. Hey, weren't you guys just up here? <laughs> yeah, double portion right there. <laughs> Mickey, oh, your eyes are open, Mickey. Good. Mickey Asher. Mickey, that name means who is like God. Randy, I'm going to use this mic, okay? And then Asher means happiness. And actually, Asher was the eighth child of Jacob and Leah. 
And you guys only have seven, so. Uh, I don't know if that's a prophetic statement or not, maybe a pathetic statement, but. But we love this family. We love this little guy. He is such a, a bundle of joy, and may he bring all the happiness of the Lord to you as a family. And the passage that the Lord gave me to pray over him is also found in the Psalms. It's Psalms 113, verse 1 through 9. And it says, Hallelujah, give praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord, both now and forevermore. For where the sun rises to where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one enthroned on high? He humbles himself to behold the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the dump to set them or seat them with the nobles, with the princes of his people. And he settles barren women in their home as a joyful mother to her children. Hallelujah. So family, do you affirm that you will raise this little boy in the house of the Lord? Are you going to be a good big brother? Big sisters? Good aunties and uncles? Grandmas and grandpas? How about church? We're going to help pray this boy through, right? So I'm going to take him. That's okay. Oh, you are precious. He's looking back for mom. So let's pray. Father, we bless this young man. We pray your anointing and blessing upon him. Father, may he always have the happiness of the Lord in his life. May he walk in your statutes. May he walk in your favor. May he walk in your goodness, Lord. We pray blessing over him. We pray that, Father, he will be strong and healthy. We pray for his family, that they will raise him in the things of the Lord. And we just commit him to you, Father, in Christ's name. We have a certificate for you. Jose, I'll give these to you. And a little Bible for him. And so I'm going to ask the other uh, children and moms, dad, where are you, where are you at? Come on up again. We're going to pray. If grandma and grandpa want to come up. You can come up. Yeah, you guys can stay. So what we want to do is we want, how many of you know the song, the blessing if you don't know the song the blessing the blessing is a psalm from written from scripture and it's talking about how faith gets passed from one generation to another so what we want to do is the worship team sings that we're going to sing that over you okay that means you all got to start singing okay and this is a song of blessing from generation to generation to generation so Worship team, Michael, Rhonda, lead us. May his favor be upon you and a Extend thousand your hand to the generations in your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children. Children, may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you. 
Sing it, baby. You need to know that we as a community of faith are just not for you today. I love that song because it talks about in the weeping and rejoicing. In the good times and the tough times, we are here for you, and we want you to know that. Amen? Amen. You can be seated. Why don't you greet one another before you're seated? glad you're all here today. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Amen. We're thankful for the goodness of the Lord on these families and the rest of the, the church. If you're a guest or visitor, and if you don't have a church home, you're looking for one. If you're watching online, you're, you're looking for a church community, we'd love to have you a part of us. If you would like to get our newsletter, we send the newsletter out every Friday. And uh, if you don't get that, uh, you can fill out one of the communication cards in the pew back in front of you. Drop that in the offering in a few minutes, and uh, we'll send you our weekly newsletter. We won't share your information with anyone else. It's just uh, to let you know what's going on. Uh, this evening, uh, we will be having at 5 p.m. Uh, at uh, the Lopez's house. That's uh, Teresa and that interesting-looking guy with the funny hat on over there who always makes jokes at me. 
you know that he had the audacity to send me a link to learn how to play ping pong after Pastor Lynn's? <laughs> I love you, Rick. You know yeah. that. That was after Malcolm took a picture with three bald guys in the foyer, so he was one of them. Uh, but this evening at 5 o'clock, one of our missionary families that we support, uh, we are having a Christmas uh, party for them. If you brought a gift, there were some gifts brought and left in the office. Uh, Michelle, you're here. Uh, I didn't think you'd be here. I thought you're, you'd have sore throat after Alabama beat, uh, you know. But they still are number four, by the way. Uh, anyway, uh, we're glad to celebrate our missionaries and to give them a blessing. Uh, we have some gifts for them, and we'll uh, have a good party. So uh, if you need directions, talk to Teresa. She'll do that and give you those directions. I want you to mark your calendars. Uh, those of you that have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have a baptism in the Holy Spirit retreat scheduled in January. It's on a Thursday evening and Friday till noon. And uh, we need to know if you're interested in coming. It's January 11th and 12th. It's going to be in San Juan Batista at the retreat center there. We hold it every year. It's a great time. If you uh, want to know more information, talk to any of the pastoral staff. We'll give you some information on that. Uh, December is a very busy month for the church. Uh, in two weeks, we have the children's uh, uh, Christmas program. It's going to be part of the morning service. And then this year, because uh, Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, uh, we're going to have a busy day. We're going to have a morning service, uh, normally at our regular time at 10 a.m. And then if you think your day is busy, the prison ministry is going up to do prison ministry uh, that afternoon. And uh, we actually, on Friday, we sent out 47, was it 47, Fred, Judy? I think it was 47, 48 uh, letters with gift cards and uh, packets of Bibles and the devotionals to each of the families of those inmates that requested that. And then that evening, we'll come back and we'll have a 45-minute candlelight communion and Christmas carol service here. So it's been our, one of our traditions that we love to do. And then I want to share just a, I have several pictures here. Uh, this is, uh, if you remember the big earthquake that hit Nepal, uh, our church sent funds to help those uh, 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 churches and individuals. This is a picture of one of the churches that was uh, destroyed. Uh, if you go to the next slide, this is, uh, I don't know, can you play that? There's a video embedded in that. I'm not sure if it came through. Okay. Uh, this is uh, one of our partners, uh, Samuel, and they rode for 12 hours in the back of a stuffed vehicle to take blankets and food and supplies to those that were hurt. If you want to go to the next slide, this is them. Uh, they're bags of uh, rice and blankets that we provided. Crossroads provided. This is your giving provided to them. Go to the next slide. Uh, actually, go back one. Sorry. Look at the region they had to go. They had to hike up with this stuff. This is high in the Himalayan mountains is where the earthquake happened. Uh, okay, go to the next slide. This is them passing out to a second group of people. Uh, next slide, there's bags full of rice that they gave out to people. Look at the ravines they had to go up. Isn't that amazing? Um, and then go to the next slide. This is the team handing out to families and individuals. Look at that little pumpkin on that mama's back. Isn't he adorable? Go to the next slide. And this is our partners this week. Uh, we have partners, uh, about 32 different partners that we uh, support and partner with. Uh, this pastor, Pastor Selena, she is a, uh, a, co a convert from, from Islam to Christianity. And we're helping to uh, build her a church. We actually sent the funds. If you want specific prayer for this sister, she pastors two churches in a country that's like 97% uh, Muslim. 
they're having a very difficult time finding property that someone will sell to them. Every time they find out it's for a Christian, they refuse to sell it to them. So pray that God opens the door for them to get a property to build a church. She pastors two churches, her and her husband. Her husband's a businessman, and uh, they are very committed to the Lord. We met her uh, a little over a year ago, and in February we'll be back to visit her. We're hoping to dedicate that property to the Lord when we go. And then also this week, pray for your friends and family. Pray that during this Christmas season, uh, they would not be... How many of you know their stress? You know? Christmas time is usually a crazy time of the year. People are distracted and driving. Uh, there's pressures to perform, to have this everything you see on television, that you should go buy a new car, and a, you should buy your spouse a new car, and you should buy your kid a new car, and you should buy all these new things, right? There's a lot of stress to perform. So pray that God would just give them peace during this time. Can we do that? So let's pray, and we'll pray for the offering as the ushers come forward. Father, we want to thank you that we can gather together today. We thank you for each and every one that's here. We pray for our ministry partners, Lord. Uh, we pray that you would continue to bless our sister. We pray that you would open up, even this week, Lord, you would open up property that we'd be able to purchase so they could build a church to set, establish a, a beachhead in that region for the gospel. And I pray, Lord, for all of our friends and family in this stressful time of the year, Lord, that the peace of God would guard their hearts and their minds. I pray that we would be good examples to them of people that love them and support them. And I pray, Father, that you would just bless this offering, bless each gift and giver. I pray that Crossroads would continue to be able to do the work we do globally and locally. And Father, help us as a church to be good stewards and managers of those resources. Help the board and the pastoral staff and the ministry teams to be good stewards of those resources. And we give you glory and honor. And I pray you'd bless both the gift and the giver now in Christ's precious name. Amen. God bless you as you give. is in this place yes. yes so much so I broke my glasses right here so I ran out I remembered I had a cheap pair of dollar store glasses hallelujah for the dollar store which was not a dollar they lie to us it's a dollar 25 but I had a cheap pair in my car so I went and got them the enemy is defeated already okay all right well we're going to talk about things that get in the way, distorted, distorted thoughts and dirty filters. How do you like that? Distorted thoughts and dirty filters. You know, I want to give you kind of a, paint you a picture of um, what the Lord is doing because the word of the Lord is connected to the words of the Lord that have been speaking forth in former weeks. I want you to see the connection and I will help those of you that may have not been around or new or whatever to see kind of what we've already um, been hearing from the Lord regarding our house. Because the word of the Lord is alive and active in our lives, or at least it's supposed to be alive and active. Let me just say something about blessing those babies. 
singing that song of blessing over those children, over the babies. You know, we want to, we want to recognize that the power of God is there for our children right from the beginning. Right from the beginning. Not just when they become a teenager, when, you know, stuff happens or whatever. No, right from the beginning. You know, and the in, I'll say this, too. Just like the enemy was after Jesus. Remember when Jesus was born? What ended up happening? He had a, Joseph, the father, took him. Joseph and Mary took him where? To Egypt. Why? Because Herod was after him, right? Moses, same thing. So the fact is this, even the Son of God, the enemy was after. We recognize the enemy's after, but we also recognize the power of God is greater. Always greater. How we think. How do we think about it? Because how we think about it has to do with how we're going to act about it. Okay? So that's just a great illustration. Let me say something, though about where we're at, where we're going, and maybe give some, uh, like, an update to what the Lord is saying, connecting the dots a bit. I want to say something about Pastor David and my ministry to you. We are a team. We are a couple that is a team. You get double trouble because of us. (laughs) You know, and I felt like the Lord just wanted me to explain uh, something about our anointings. You know, Ephesians chapter 4, 11, and 12 speaks about leadership anointings. Jesus himself gave leadership to the church. And Pastor David and my anointings are different, right? And I want you to recognize Pastor David is a teacher of the word, and he is a dynamic teacher of the word, and it's many times systematic and practical to build you up. And he has a prophetic also anointing, but his teaching anointing is um, kind of the, the foremost calling for you to build you up in the word and give you practical application. And so as he ministers and his, when he preaches, that's the approach, the anointing God has given to him. And my anointing is a little bit different, probably you've noticed, and it's more of a prophetic first teaching second. And so sometimes I say the same thing again, just use different things. So it's a word to you. A lot of times prophetic, that's the way the prophetic ministry is. There's a central word that you are to hear from the heart of God. And with that comes a lot of uh, emotive expression. It's not because I'm female. It's because the anointing is because the prophetic. I know some of you are she's just being a girl right now. No. <laughs> actually, the truth is David's actually more emotional than I am. If you've been around. Where is he? Is he out of here? Yeah, he is out of here. He's always like Hallmark, you know, whatever. And I'm like, you know, he, 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 personality. He's always been that way. And so it's not, I want you to recognize the type of anointing, but you, this is a privileged thing for you to have two types of leadership anointings in your life that develop you in the word. So I want you to recognize that. And both of those anointings are very valuable to you and to this house and how the Lord is building us up in the most holy faith here and making us a powerhouse. I am done with, with 
Christianity that is weak. I'm done with that. I'm done with seeing it in people's lives. And the Lord is done with that as well because he didn't die on the cross for us to be weak, but that he would have his power dwelling in us. So we are called to be a powerhouse so that this house is an oak of righteousness from generation to generation to generation. This house will not be a spa. You know how many spas come out of churches? Oh, I I feel such a spirituality. Let's make a spa out of it. I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of spa, church, former church buildings that became empty enough that they had to sell it and the spa bought it. And I'm telling you, this house, this house is going to be an oak of righteousness from generation to generation. Praise the Lord. As my cough drops fall all over the place. Place of power. And the Lord has called us, and we're committed to that. And the Lord said to me a couple weeks ago, I'm going to give you a little bit of an overview. A few weeks ago, we came, I came back from Poland. I'm going to tell you, we came back from Poland in October, or when did we come back? Late September. And the Lord just changed me. He just changed me. And you all know that. I've talked about it a few times. I didn't know. It was unexpected. And the Lord said to me, as one night he woke me up and he said, there will be a day when people will run to this house and they will say, what must I do to be saved? That's the kind of power, this house, that the Lord is building. There is an intensity of the presence of God in this house as we gather together. Do not try to reject the intensity. Embrace the intensity of the presence of God. See, the Lord is not visiting us. He is dwelling with us. And this is going and is a place of anointing, not inspiration. Do you hear me? This is a place of anointing, which is very different. This is not a place of, oh, I feel so inspired. No, anointing is different because according to Scripture, anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. And we need bondage-breaking anointing. Whatever kinds of things that may be, this is a place of encounter, not spiritual entertainment, not a religious box where I go, check, I did my religious ritual for the week and I live whatever way I want. No, this is a place where we will encounter the presence of God. That's why what's happening up here when, when the music is playing is not entertainment. It's not worship entertainment. It's not this kind of thing of of make me worship. I dare you make me worship. Your worship is between you and the Lord, by the way. That's your encounter with him. We cultivate that in this house, the place of worship. This will be a place that exalts our God. We will exalt our God because I'm going to tell you the world's exalting their God. They're exalting their gods, and they're even saying to us, our God is greater than your God. They are saying that. They're trying to intimidate Christians from believing that their God is greater, and there are a lot of Christians running with their tail between their legs because they refuse encounter when the opportunity comes. They refuse encounter, and then they go out, and they're not strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But this house, muscle Christians. 
We're going to be fearless muscle Christians. We're going to exalt our God, Jehovah. And I'm going to say, Jesus is Jehovah. We are in the season of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And he just, he didn't come to be with us for 33 years. He came to be with us, to dwell with us and in us. That's your Christmas part of this message. Emmanuel, God with us. So we're going to cultivate this presence. And I'm saying in such a way as we gather together that healings are going to happen during worship, during the preaching of the word. Nobody's going to even have to lay hands on you. Deliverance is going to happen. People are going to be set free. Depression's going to be broken. Chains are going to be broken. People are going to, get to rededicate their lives right in worship. That's the kind of atmosphere that the Holy Spirit is building right now. People's mindsets are going to be changed. Their distorted thoughts are going to be changed because they're going to encounter Jehovah, the true and living God. And how do they do that? They do that through the lives of the people who exalt him. So what does that mean for us? That means the Lord's going to address our lives, and there, he's going to address anything that's going in our, or in our lives, any filters that might be a little dirty, any distortions in our thought life. He's going to challenge us because people are going to run to this house, and we're not going to be a dirty house. We're not going to be a compromised house. We're not going to be a fleshly house. We're not going to be a divided house. We're going to be a house where people can run, and they are saved, and they are brought up in the most holy faith. Last week, Pastor David, I'm going to connect the dots. Like I said, Pastor David talked about a type of dirty filter. Do you remember what it was? Being what? Offended. Somebody remembered. Offended. That's a dirty filter. Because when we walk with offense, when you walk with offense, you have distorted thinking. And not only do you have distorted thinking, that distorted thinking actually filters into other things. And as you look at other people, you have distorted thinking. You know, a filter, a dirty filter actually makes the air quality bad, doesn't it? Because there's dirt in the filter. And an offended spirit is just an example of a dirty filter in our life. It's interesting about offense. It creates a kind of spiritual disease. Pastor David talked very eloquently about this. But it creates a spiritual disease that actually affects other people in our lives. Because when we're offended, we end up uh, permeating that offense from our lives. It becomes a disease, or what I would like to say, a pestilence. A pestilence in our lives. A fatal disease. That's what a pestilence is. It's a fatal disease of epidemic proportions. Offense, or when we have these types of diseases in the way that we think, then we will be walking around with a spiritual pestilence. Now, I'm connecting the dots, like I said. Pastor David talked about offense. But, you know, a couple weeks ago, I talked about some of the principalities. You know, we sing the song, Same God. 
We have the same God as the Old Testament. But you know what else we have? We have the same principalities as the Old Testament. A lot of times I, that God, that Jesus erased the principalities, well, he disarmed them. Scripture says he disarmed the principalities, but they're still at work in the world. And one of the principalities that is it that, you know, I spoke about was Baal. Baal's a big one. But it was interesting in the story of Elijah. You're saying, what does this have to do with offense? I'm going to get to it. In the story when Elijah confronts the prophet of Baal, remember that story, confronts the prophets of Baal to tear down that principality because Israel was worshiping Baal. Did you know that Elijah referred to it in the original language? He referred to Baal as the, um, the Lord of the flies. The Lord of pestilence. That's what that means. The Lord of pestilence. The God of pestilence. It's interesting how the enemy loves pestilence. He loves toxicity in the lives of believers in the way so that they share their pestilence to create decay. See, that's a very sneaky way of coming into a life of believer by creating a fence so you don't realize when I'm walking in a fence, I'm actually in submission to Baal, the Lord of the Flies. See, we don't sometimes think it's as dangerous as it is. But it's actually extremely dangerous because Scripture tells us that when we walk in a fence or in this type of pestilence, we defile others. Hebrews 12, 15. Just write it down a little bit here. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many, which is a pestilence. Okay, so that's an example of a dirty filter. We're going to be unoffendable. That's your goal. I'm going to walk that I can't be offended. Wow, what a powerful walk you can have is when nothing offends me because I'm not going to fall prey to the pestilence of the enemy. Okay? That's just an example. Pastor David's word last week. Last week also, just connecting the dots, the Lord gave me a word about Elisha in the exhortation time. Our exhortation time is a time when the prophetic word comes forth, and it had to do with Elisha. Now, the week before, last week, so a couple weeks ago, I had talked about uh, Elisha, and the Lord had, we had a really long service, so there's two ways people describe it. They describe it, God really moved, or other people describe it as a long service. <laughs> Depending on your perspective, I guess. <laughs> I laugh at myself because, you know, you never know. And uh, I went away from that service because it was nice and, and, and long, but also powerful. Like, Lord, what happened here? And the Lord gave me the word last week about how you were uncovering to the people their power and authority. Let me read to you Colossians 2, 13 through 15. 
When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. When I was talking about Elisha and Elijah and those, type, those things, that, that passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, I, w- I was speaking about how there's principalities and powers that are present that are still present in this world. And we see a lot of the things that we fight against really comes from those principalities and powers. Okay? A lot of the the immorality and the mentalities and those types of things. And Christ disarmed those things so that they no longer have power over us, but we cannot once again reconnect to those things or those powers. You understand what I'm saying? Christ disarmed them. You walk in authority. But when I agree with those principalities and powers or whatever they are stating to our world, and I fall under agreement, I once again reconnect to them being in authority over me. Because agreement is all about covenant. Agreement has to do with covenant. It's very important what we agree with and what we don't agree with. And so the Lord said to me, you are communicating to the people their power and the authority they have through Christ. And so during this dissertation, I gave a word about tearing down the strongholds of the enemy and the gods of the world. Because I'm going to say this, even right now in the U.S., The principalities and powers through people, because principalities and powers require human agreement in order to have power. They're looking for humans to agree with them. The enemy is looking for humans to agree with him. The enemy looked for Eve to agree with him. That's how he got where he was. Okay? So these principalities and powers, I'm going to say they are arrogantly parading around through the world's philosophies. Arrogantly. They do it two ways. Through arrogance and through victimization. And they do it through the world's philosophies and arguments and pretensions. And we have to beware of those things. And that has to do with the way that we think. That has to do with making sure we're not in agreement with the philosophies and arguments and pretensions of this world. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to do what? What? Demolish strongholds. So he disarmed the powers and principalities. Now we get to do what? Demolish the strongholds that those principalities and powers want in our thought life. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
So in the Old Testament, in Elisha, is an illustration of doing that. When, when remember the story of King Josiah, I talked about it, how he went, he inherited the um, idolatry of his grandfather and father, and he went and he destroyed all the idols in Israel. He went and did it. And that is a physical representation of a spiritual concept in the New Testament that Paul is speaking about right here. And the Lord reminded me of Elisha last week. You know the story of Elisha. If you don't, a lot of times people get Elijah and Elisha mixed up. But the prophet Elisha came after Elijah, and Elijah was the one that confronted the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And this is the Baalism was what King Ahab, who is the king of Israel, the northern kingdom, and Jezebel, they had turned the hearts of the people toward Baalism and other gods or other principalities, such as Asherah. Asherah, I'm giving you just an overview. Asherah was a perverse sexuality god. That's what it was all about. Perverse sexuality. Sexual sin of all types of forms. And that's how they worship. That's what was promoted. We see that in our culture today. It comes from the same principality. And that principality uses humans to forward them, forward its influence in cultures. It's going to be quiet today. But I'm going to say this, because a lot of times people ride the horse of certain sexual sins or sexual lifestyles. But I'm going to say this before I move on. All sexual sin comes from the same sewer. <laughs> All, do you hear me? All sexual sin, which includes sex is for the covenant of marriage. It is from God. It is a beautiful thing God has created. Outside of that, that is perverse. That is not from the Lord. Are you saying we need to move on? No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just lightening the load here. Here, lightening the load. So I was reminded of Elisha. See, because Elijah ran. Remember when Jezebel, after the prophets of Baal were torn down and, and destroyed, Jezebel was angry with Elijah. Now, the, the, the drought was broken. But Elijah got afraid, so he runs from Jezebel, who is the main person who is cultivating Baalism and the god of Asherah and all this. And she's like, you're dead, Elijah. So he runs. He's exhausted. He runs. God ministers to him. And then he is given an armor bearer called Elisha. We know this in the story. And Elisha is the one, when Elijah is going to go up to heaven, Elisha says, give me a double portion of your Holy Spirit. And Elisha is ultimately the one that goes after Jezebel. Jezebel is still present. 
But he goes after Jezebel, and he does it by anointing a man by the name of Jehu. So he goes and he finds this man by the name of Jehu, and he says, you are anointed. Jehu is not a prophet, but he is a leader that eventually becomes a king. And once Jehu, after he is anointed, when he discovers that Jezebel still is around, he goes after her. Read 2 Kings 9.22. When Joram saw Jehu, he asked, Have you come in peace, Jehu? How can there be peace? Jehu replied, As long as all the idolatry and witchcraft of your mother Jezebel abounds. How can there be peace when we haven't confronted something or someone that needs to be confronted? How can there be peace in my family when I'm ignoring the sin? See, a lot of us, we pray for people. Oh, God bless my home. But the Lord is saying, you need to confront something here. There is no true peace until we confront the enemy that's holding our family or whatever you fill in the blank captive. And some of us, we think, oh, same God. You are the same God, but don't make me confront like you made. Come on. We want God to be the same God, but we don't want him to have the same stuff, you know, require some things of us, of his children, of his empowered children. So here's the story. So, so Jehu's all, how can we have peace? I'm going to go after Jezebel, 2 Kings 9.30. Then Jehu went to Jezreel. When Jezebel heard about it, she put on her eye makeup, arranged her hair, and looked out the window. As Jehu entered the gate, she asked, have you come in peace, you Zimri, you murderer of your master? He looked up at the window and called out, who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked down at him. Throw her down. Jehu said, so they threw her down, and some of the blood spattered the wall and the horses as they trampled her underfoot. Verse 36, 2 Kings 9. They went back and told Jehu, who said, this is the word of the Lord that he spoke through his servant Elijah the Tishbite on the plot of of ground at Jezreel. Dogs will devour Jezebel's flesh. Okay. Last week, the Lord gave me the word about Elisha anointing you to be like Jehu in your land. To reveal the anointing that you have to tear down the strongholds. She's like, Pastor Lynn, can you come and tear down the stronghold in my area? No, you're anointed. Go after it. That's my job is to tell you, you're anointed. Go after it. And the Lord made that very clear to me. Last week, and I am going to, as Pastor David always calls me, pit bullet. Know what pit bull means? (laughs) I'm going to go after the same thing until there's breakthrough. I'll say it in multiple ways, but you're going to hear the same word. You have power and authority over all the works of the enemy. Go after it. But... If you have distorted thinking and dirty filters, you will not have the faith to go after it. Woo. Let's go back a little earlier in the history of Israel. You have Israel comes out of Egypt about two years, 18 months later. 
It's time for them. God actually wants Israel to go into the promised land at that time. He sends in 12 spies. You know the story. They come back, but this shows distorted thinking and dirty filters. Numbers 13, 27 and 28. So they reported to him and said, We came into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and large. And indeed, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Verse 30 and 33. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will certainly prevail over it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people because they are too strong for us. We are not able to go up against the enemy because he is too strong for us. That is my mentality. That's the way I'm thinking right now. I can't confront the enemy because he has more power than I do. Verse 32. So they brought a bad report of the land which they had spied out to the sons of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are people of great stature. We also saw that Nephilim there, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim, and we are like the grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. And that was their mentality. I can't do it. I am small. God is small. They are big. They will destroy because that's how they thought about their God and about themselves. A lot of Christians, and I've even heard leaders, Christian leaders, pastors, create, be fear mongers against the world. We are afraid of the world. Are you afraid? Why are you afraid when greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? When you have greater power than the world does. But as long as you believe, listen to this. As long as you believe or think that the principalities and powers are equal to Jehovah, you will see yourself as a grasshopper. The principalities and powers and all of those things that are fueling human beings that are doing evil works are not greater or even equal to Jehovah. He is high above them. He is high above them. And when you get the mentality that you cannot come against the enemy and take the land that the Lord has promised to give you, you have a dirty filter. You see yourself as grasshopper, so you step back. See, our belief has to do with our thoughts. See, this generation, these people, this Israelite generation, don't forget, just two years back from that moment, they had walked on dry land through the Red Sea. They had experienced the power of God over Egypt. And yet when it came time for them to be activated, their thoughts were distorted. See, our belief system has to do with what are we cultivating in our mindsets. 
Some of us talk, live like the enemy is seated with Christ in heavenly places. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And when you forget that, maybe because of what's going on, you need to remind yourself, I am seated with Christ in heavenly places. See, Christ disarmed the powers and authorities for us. Not for him, for us. He disarmed them. And he has given you power over the works of the devil. He has actually given you, as a believer, with the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, power to destroy the works of the devil. Let's read it. 1 John 3, 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Luke 10, 19. This is Jesus activating the very one that wrote this in John. John, the beloved. John, the disciple of Jesus, knew and understood this and was there in Luke 10. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome some of the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. But how you think about it. See, because we have some other writing in Scripture that kind of shows us that when we are double-minded, when we have thoughts or, or we uh, dwell, listen, we all have thoughts of fear. But what do you do with that? I take it captive and I bring it under submission to Christ, right? It's not in the thought that comes to it, us. It's what we do with it after it comes. Do we build a stronghold around it? Does it become fortified in us like the Israelites that could not go into the land flowing with milk and honey? They had a fortified thinking that their God was not big enough and they themselves did not have power. They were like grasshoppers in the sight of this enemy that they had exalted. Over all the power of the enemy. And this is not just talk. This is walk. Over all the power of the enemy. We got to beware that we are double-minded. James talks about this. I don't have the scripture up here. But James, chapter 1, James was the brother of Jesus. He talked about this, wrote about this to the believers, to the Hebrews. That when we're double-minded, you know what that is, actually? That's being in two camps at the same time. Trying to dwell in two camps. The camp of the world and the camp of God. I'm going to tell you, there's too many Christians trying to dwell in two camps. And then they wonder why there's not victory. They wonder why they're not overcoming all the works of the devil. Because you're dwelling in two camps. And you know what? This is a season. I, I know this. I know this in my personal life. I know this in my family's life. I know this in the church life. I know this in our culture's life. I know this globally. The Holy Spirit is stirring the pot. And he is telling his children, you need to get in my camp fully. This whole doing splits, putting one foot in one place and one foot in the other is not going to work anymore. 
because I am causing to arise a powerful church that does not have a form of godliness and lacking the power, but I am going to have a church, a children that go against all the works of the enemy and defeat them. Come on. But how do you think about it? He's stirring the pot. Actually, last Sunday we went to the jail ministry. Powerful time we had down there. And then we came home and we got some information from some of our family members about something going on in the family. And my response was to David, the Holy Spirit's stirring the pot. You know, when you stir the pot, what are you actually doing? What's down there? Coming to the top. Let me stir the pot. See those veggies. Are they soft yet? What's going on? I'm stirring the pot. And I feel like the Holy Spirit says I'm stirring the pot because what's there is going to come to the surface. And if it's toxic and poisonous and doesn't belong there, I want to get rid of it. He's stirring the pot. Now, some people don't like the pot to be stirred. But the problem with if we don't want the pot to be stirred, we can be consuming poisonous things. Sometimes without even knowing it. Back to Elisha. Back to Elisha. Elisha, the one with the double portion. You know at the women's retreat, those of you who were there, praise God. It was a powerful time. We talked about the axe head. It's a story in 2 Kings. And it's a story that a lot of times people, even theologians, commentaries, they just kind of blur over. They don't know what it means kind of thing. And we really went deep with that story because it had to do with baptism. Baptism of what God has given to us. Baptism for the prophets because it had to do with the school of prophets that Elijah was raising up. But before that happened, before there was the axe head, because what were they doing at the time? The purpose of the axe head was that they were building a, a greater place for the prophets to dwell in because there was such an expansion of the prophetic ministry through Elisha, who had a double portion. So they were on a time when God was giving them increase, but something happened before that to the prophets. And it had to do with stirring the pot. 2 Kings 4, 38 through 41. Elisha went to Gilgal again. There was a famine in the land. The famine actually came from the drought. The group of prophets was sitting in front of Elisha. Elisha said to his servant, put the large pot on the fire and make some soup for the group of prophets. One man went out into the field to gather herbs. He found a wild vine and picked the fruit from it. He put that fruit in his robe and brought it back. He cut up the wild fruit and put it into the pot. But the group of prophets did not know what kind of fruit it was. Then they poured some of the soup for the men to eat. But when they began to eat the soup, they shouted out, Man of God, there's poison in the pot. The food tasted like poison, so they could not eat that food. But Elisha said, Bring some flour. He threw the flour into the pot. Then he said, Pour the soup for the people so that they can eat. And there was nothing wrong with the soup. Okay. Now this is before Jezebel comes down. Before Jezebel's killed. This is when Elisha's starting his ministry. And there's this event. The prophets are hungry. The famine's in the land. 
they're hungry for something to eat. I'm going to say in the scripture, you know what? As we know, Jezebel hates the prophets of God. And the enemy does not want the prophets of God in the land because they are weapons from God to destroy the works of Jezebel and the principalities and powers in that region, in that area at work against Israel. And so now there is a double portion of the Holy Spirit's power upon Elisha. He's arising and there's multiplication going on. That Holy Spirit is resting upon Elisha. But this is an attack on the prophets. But it's not obvious. It's what we call insidious. It is sneaky. This wild vine, this fruit from it, that this prophet goes out into the field and he gets and he throws it into the pot of stew or soup. Do you know what that fruit was called? The apples of Sodom. Now, remember, I just told you, Jezebel was all about Asherah, wasn't she? She was all about sexual perversion. She was all about the principality that ushered that in to contaminate the people of God, to contaminate the culture. And here you have, now Elijah has confronted the prophets of Baal, but now, and that was really external. That was really obvious. But now there's something that comes into the soup. That is sneaky. That's insidious. That they don't recognize is in what they are consuming. See, the enemy wanted to destroy the prophets. To have them consume something that was toxic and poisonous. See, he wants us to be unaware of his devices. He wants us to... Hook, line, and sinker things around us. And it's poisonous. Causes us to consume something that's toxic to us. But I'm going to say this. The beauty of it is this. Elisha sees the problem. And what does he do? He throws flour in the pot. What's the flour mean? The bread of life. The word of God. He throws flour in the pot. Because the word of God. And we know scripture tells us that Jesus said. John 6, 25. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Let me say this. The prophets were hungry. And sometimes in our hunger, we'll consume something. Sometimes in our need, we'll consume something that's poisonous to us. Rather than using the filter, the correct filter of the Word of God. The Spirit of God. We know Jesus is the Word. John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. The great, remember, the Holy Spirit, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And we need to be, Pastor David and I, if we tell you anything, be 
in his word and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Those two things will keep you from consuming the poison that the world wants to put in your pot. But we have to be watchful. We have to be watchful of what goes into our pot. We have to be watchful of what we consume. Did you know Jesus even says this? He's here on earth. He has fed the 5,000. He's fed the 4,000. And do you know right after he feeds the 4,000, they go on a boat trip and the, the disciples get all upset because they forgot the bread. They forgot the bread. And they're all fearful because they don't have bread to eat. Jesus has just multiplied the bread, the loaves and the fishes. They have been part of both the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000. And once again, they're back in their fleshly way of thinking, of being afraid. And you know what Jesus says to them? And this is not up here, but you can mark 8:15. He says this, be careful. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. His conclusion about all of their upset about the physical bread, he says this, you're thinking like the world. You're thinking like the empty religious people. You're thinking like Herod, who was representative of the politics at the time. You have fleshly thinking that cannot combat the things of the Spirit. You have fleshly thinking that cannot destroy the works of the devil. Filters are filters. Do not, Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We declare, I want to be strong in the Lord. We declare, I want to see God move, move in my family. I'm going to tell you, you've got to get a hold of what you're consuming in your mind. <laughs> you know, and I'm going to say this. It's easy to consume things of the world because it's out there and everything. And a lot of it's very insidious. It's very sneaky. It's very sneaky. And the Lord wants to heighten you spiritually so that you're aware. So you say, you know what? I combat that thought with the word of God, with the flower, with the bread of life. So that I walk in power. Because the enemy wants to consume, he wants you to consume the toxic things so that he disables your power. Now, let me just show you. The prophets consuming the poison without the flower would cause them to be sick or even die. That would have been the result without the flower. The enemy wants you to consume the poison of this world, even though sometimes we don't even know. That's why we got to be discerning and alert so that we become disempowered, so that we become weak, so that we become disoriented, so that we don't walk in the power of God, so that we don't even know what the truth is about the situation because we don't know what the word of God says about it. 
Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the, the dividing to soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges what? The thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Come on, worship team, come on up. The word of God. The word of God. I don't feel close to Jesus right now. Pastor Lynn, I'm so dry. Get in the word. Get in the word. I don't know what Jesus is saying. Get in the word. You don't know what he's saying? I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Greater is he that is in you. Come on. What you don't know what he's saying? Get in the word. I don't understand the word. Get in the word. The Holy Spirit says, I'm going to teach you. I got a lot going on in my family. I got a lot. The enemy's on my tail. Get in the word. Put some flour in your thoughts so that they're not poisonous or distorted. I got sideswiped with this thing that came into my family. Guess what? Get in the word. <laughs> Get in the word. It's a sword. Get in the word. He's given to you everything that you need through the cross. His body was broken for you. I am the bread of life. It's no coincidence that when we take communion, the bread and the blood, the bread and the wine, his body. He's everything you need to be victorious. You can go into your promised land. You can be like Joshua and Caleb. You can defeat the enemy. You can go to your Jericho, tightly shut up. If the enemy runs scared of the Holy Spirit's power in the life of the believer. Did you know that? Oh, he'll try to get in your way. He'll try to throw some, some ugly gourd some ugly fruit in your pot and all you have to do is just say word of God my thoughts listen we're human yes we're human we are human we are divine because the Holy Spirit dwells in us that's why we're not divine in ourselves. we're divine because the Holy Spirit dwells in us question that comes to me is what do you need to go after that's destroying fruitfulness in your life what do you need to go after in your family and I'm not saying after people you know that's not what we're saying because scripture tells us that's not our battleground is people but it is those things that hold people captive the enemy right the agreements that they have We're going to have communion in response to this word. Won't the ushers come forward? I want you to distribute the communion as I'm talking here. Hebrews 9.14 says this. Talking about the work of Christ on the cross. How much more then will the blood of Christ, 
who through the internal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. Cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Take, eat. This is my body. This is my body. Take this bread, eat it. This is my body broken for you because it will cleanse your thoughts. It will cause you to welcome the Holy Spirit so that you have a transformed mind. What is my job? My job is to tell you how powerful you are. My job is to tell you what type of authority you walk in. My job is to say and remind you, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. My job is to tell you, go in, take the land. Some of us are on the defense. And the Lord says, listen, I have made you to be on the offense, too. Yeah? We block the enemy's attacks. But we also go forward in territory, and we take back what the enemy has stolen. He wants you to be afraid to take back what the enemy has stolen. poison in what you're consuming maybe you say I, I, I don't know ask the Lord throw the word into it the word judges our hearts and our minds the bread I am the bread of life I am the bread of life I want you just to take a moment right now. Just take time as scripture tells us. And I want you to just search your heart. Search your heart. Search your heart. Search your thoughts. Maybe the Lord's just saying, I want to graduate you. Graduating you to a new level. Revelation. The enemy is counting on you to be passive. The enemy is counting on you letting the poison remain in the pot. tells us on the night that Christ was betrayed and it was Passover Passover 
And he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body. This is my body. Broken for you. I am the bread. I am the flower in the pot. I am the Word. And the Word dwelled amongst us. I am, the Lord says, I am. I want you to take your, your bread, your element, and I want you to take it. I want you to take it and consume it. I want you to connect the dots of Scripture. That His Word is not, it is for our salvation. His body was broken for our salvation so that His Spirit dwells in us. So that we can walk in the power of His Holy Spirit. Not just for salvation, but there's more. There's more. So, Lord, we take your broken body, your healing power. By your stripes, we are healed. And we take it, Lord, in faith and remembrance of you. Let's take it together. then he took the fruit of the vine that represented his blood that's going to be poured out in that moment poured out for you his blood would cleanse us from all sin all sin I love the word all when Jesus uses it all sin Scripture uses it. Paul writes, it cleanses us from all. And then we have all power over the enemy. All. Holy Spirit. Take this in remembrance of me covenant with you. It's my covenant with you. It's my agreement with you. I have agreed for you to have my power. I have agreed that you, all your sins are forgiven. I have agreed. You now have this covenant that he is true to. He is true to his covenant. Let us take together. I want you to stand. Let's sing. Let's sing the song. Begin. 
greater and you dwell in me. You're greater. You're not just equal. You're high. You're high above. You're high above. So Lord, and that you dwell in me. You seated with me. You seated me with you in heavenly places. And when I walk out of this room and I have to encounter the world, I will not be intimidated. I will not be fearful. I will not think that I'm a grasshopper. But Lord, I'm going to believe what you have said about me and what you have done for me. And I'm going to walk in the power that you have given to me. And I will cleanse my mind with your word, with prayer, with the things of the Holy Spirit so that I am not have poisonous thinking, toxicity in me, but I will walk in strength with the mind of Christ about the things that I encounter. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your work, what you did on the cross. We thank you for the gathering of believers. We thank you for the precious babies that were dedicated, those men of God that are going to be cultivated in the house of the Lord and are going to be mighty men of, of valor for your work, for your kingdom in the earth. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for the cross and the resurrection. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. God bless you. If you need a prayer team to pray with you, we have a prayer team available. May the Lord bless you. Go and celebrate what the Lord has done for you. How great is our God. Sing with me. Great. 